Welcome to the fourth episode of the Head Kick KO podcast. I'm your host, James Herrick. And in this episode, we're going to be breaking down some of the rumors that have been whirling around the MMA world recently. This ranges from Conor McGregor to Dustin Poirier to Stephen Wonderboy Thompson to Leon Edwards to Tony Ferguson to newly signed Michael Chandler to Nate Diaz to Darren Till. We're talking about them all in this episode. John Jones, Israel Adesanya. We're talking about it all. If you've seen it on Twitter recently, we're going to talk about it here right now. Okay. So first topic we're going to talk about is Conor McGregor versus Dustin Poirier. Last week I broke this down and I talked for a decent amount about my opinion on having this charity match, right? But now it looks like we're moving away from this charity match to a sanctioned UFC bout, which is something that I was skeptical of at first because I was skeptical of how we could go from charity to profitable like that, right? But um, Connor said he would still donate 500K to Dustin's The Good Fight Foundation. So we're still putting money up to charity. So we have the charity aspect covered in that, right? It's not going to be as much charity, it sounds like, because it sounded like the last was going to be 100% charity. Now we've got 500K going towards the good fight by Conor McGregor if this fight goes through. And this fight was formally offered to both guys by Dana White, and it was offered for the January pay-per-view that was declined by Conor Connor stated he wanted to fight in November or December before the end of 2020. And so those were the dates Connor said. Connor said, um, give me November, give me December, give me Dustin. Let's go. Dustin said, hey, sounds good to me. I'll take Connor and I'll take it November or December. So now what we're doing is now we're waiting for the UFC to, it sounds like all we're waiting for is an official announcement, which... At this point, it's if we when we get an official announcement, I think we're gonna get this during the um, UFC 254 pay per view with Khabib and Gaethje. I think you know how they do those promos. They're gonna run a poem promo for Dustin and Connor, right? That's my opinion. I'm not saying that's what they're going to. I have no inside info, obviously. Um, but they tried doing this when Brock Lesnar returned, running a promo saying, hey, Brock's back. I imagine that this is going to be a similar thing to that in terms of um, uh, fight promotion and announcement. And really, that's perfect because you're going to have eyes on that pay-per-view. It's going to be one of the top, I don't really want to throw out numbers, it's going to be a top three, top four pay-per-view at worst for this year. Um, the last pay-per-view did 700k buys, um, reportedly, allegedly, um, whatever you want to say. Um, we obviously don't have official numbers anymore, but, um, I imagine that this will be over, that was third with 700k. So I imagine this is going to get more than 700k, so it'll probably be in the top three. Um, Khabib obviously has a big audience, and with Khabib and Connor's history, I wouldn't be surprised if they roll out a fight announcement for Connor during a pay-per-view. That is something that they would do 100%, okay, to make it special. And um, I think the only thing that is kind of preventing this fight from, I don't want to say preventing, 
The only hurdle is the dates. Um, obviously, they need stars for the November and December cards because UFC 254 is the fight card. Oh, excuse me. UFC 255 is the November card with that had Figueredo and Garbrandt. We talked about that last episode and how with Garbrandt dropping, it's going to be tough selling that as a pay-per-view because now you have the headliner would be Figueredo versus Alex Perez with the Coleman Shevchenko versus um, Maya. So um, I think throwing Connor on this UFC 255 card with Dustin would be great because it's obviously going to do um, at least a million. I feel like Connor doesn't dip below a million. Um, I don't remember how many he did with Cowboy, um, but however he many he did with Cowboy, I think he excels that excels further from that based on he's going against Dustin, who Dustin loses to Khabib in the title fight. And I, I don't want to say similar fashion to Connor, but very similar in terms of um, they both had their moment in the fight. Um, Dustin had the deep guillotine. Um, Connor had a good round three, and they both ended up getting choked out. But that's besides the point. So. He comes back, beats Dan Hooker in an amazing fight, right? So hype right now for Dustin Poirier is off the charts. Hype for Conor McGregor is always off the charts. This is going to be a very good, whatever pay-per-view they have, is going to be a great performing pay-per-view. And I feel like having Figueredo on that card with Alex Perez would be a great opportunity for Figueredo to get some limelight and become a star because from what we know about Figueredo is he's going to come and perform, right? And at this point, I don't know what the betting line is for that Figueredo versus Perez fight, but I can imagine that Figueredo is the um, major favorite, major favorite. If he did what he did last fight to Joseph Benavidez again to um, Alex Perez, excuse me, if he does that again to Alex Perez um, on a Conor McGregor card, that would be tremendous for his career in terms of um, star development, pay-per-view buys for the future. I think putting Connor on a card with Figueredo as an investment for the future in terms of trying to get Figueredo some more eyes on his fights because he's obviously so, so, so talented. And the UFC 256 card in December, that card was supposed to be headlined by Burns and Usman. That card is... That card is still happening, obviously, on December 12th, but um, the um, that card is still happening, but Usman and Burns are off that card, and I, they didn't state why. So right now on 256, they have Amanda Nunes versus Felicia, Felicia, Felicia Spencer as the main event, and... Amanda Nunez has already headlined one pay-per-view this year. Usually with um, a lot of these female title fights that aren't female super fights, they put them at co-mains on pay-per-views, similar to what they're doing with Shevchenko and Maya. And they've done that. They did that with Shevchenko's last fight. And that's a common theme of what the UFC likes to do. Um, Amanda Nunez fought last year in December, and I believe she was the she wasn't even the co-main on that card with that card had Max Volkanovsky. Usman Burns, or excuse me, Usman Covington ahead of it. So um, I feel like the UFC would love in for they would love to end that. UFC always has their last pay per view be a great pay per view, right? So right now we're looking at Nunez versus Spencer. 
when I think of great title fights or when I think of great pay-per-views, amazing end-of-the-year spectacles. That's not what I think of. With that being said, Conor McGregor and Conor Mania does fit that bill, right? So when we're talking about closing the show with um, Conor McGregor, I think that's also a very real possibility. If Dana was eyeing January for that, um, I think um, December would probably be the one he would prefer because you can still roll. You can you'll have. I think you'll have a little bit more success with the two title fight pay per view, even if they're two of your weaker title fights, as opposed to a one title fight pay per view with uh, I want to say average to below average title fight and in terms of Nunez versus Spencer. And I can't imagine that's going to be very competitive in terms of, do you think Nunez is going to have a close fight with Felicia Spencer? I really don't. I think uh, Nunez goes out there and takes that one fairly easily. And I don't think that's the way the UFC wants to go out. So, um, yeah, adding, and I think um, on that card, if you wanted to go out with a bang, go out with three title fights like you did last year in December, I think you have that set up. Um, you have Jan running around. You have Izzy running around. You have John Jones running around. We're going to talk about some of these things. Um, these Right now, these November, December, January pay-per-views are looking um, iffy as of right now with what we have announced. But I think some of these fights are going to get lined up and booked. There's just too many big fights out right now for none of them to get booked. It doesn't seem realistic. So I think we're going to eventually get some really good pay-per-views here in the near future. I think the UFC has a, is on a run of great pay-per-views. Um, all year has been great. So, um, yeah. So in terms of pay-per-views, throwing Conor on a pay-per-view obviously explodes it. And um, if you want to throw do a three-fight title fight, um, Jan versus Sterling in December could go on that card as well. They're both talking about um, it's pretty – it's looking like it's going to be Eljo versus Jan. Um, TJ Dillashaw comes back in January. I doubt they give him an immediate uh, title match. They could, but I don't think they will, right? Um, especially after I know a lot of people aren't too happy with TJ Dillashaw over what he did uh, in terms of the PEDs. So I think a fight against Corey Sanhagen for the number one contender makes the most sense. Book that fight in January. Book the title fight in December. Boom, you've got you've got uh, 135 lined up great. And with how fun 135 is at the moment, um, I would love seeing them on a card with Connor as well, getting that 135 division more eyes on it. So that's another thing that looks very promising. Um, yeah, so, and let's talk about how this counter fight would affect the landscape of the lightweight division. So if Connor wins, if Connor wins, he can make a case to fight for the title next, right? In terms of, because if he beats Dustin Poirier, obviously Poirier doesn't get the shot over him. So that leaves Tony Ferguson as the guy to beat out in terms of title shots. And Dan Hooker is also there sniffing around at four, but uh, we're going to talk about Dan Hooker later. Um, I think he, I think Dan Hooker has something special booked up for him. That's, we'll talk about that very soon. But um, then we're looking at, um, we're looking at um, Connor versus Poirier, the winner that leaves you, um, Tony Ferguson and Connor as the top two dogs for who would be fighting for the Khabib's belt next, assuming he wins in two weeks here. Now, the interesting point about this is GSP. 
I personally think it's a very real possibility that GSP comes out of retirement to fight Khabib. I think that's very, actually very likely. I think if GSP comes back, I think, I think GSP is going to look at this in the eyes of, I think Khabib is looking at this as 30 and 0, I'm gone, right? He's got Gaethje and one more. And I think GSP is looking at this as, I have to do this now. This now or never in terms of returning. Because we're getting to the point where GSP is 39. You know, we're getting to the point where age is starting to become a concern. I know some guys, UL, DC, have fought later into their 40s, 41, 42, 43 even. But we don't know if George is willing to do that, if he's able to do that, obviously. Um, we've seen so many fighters wilt with age. But I think the difference with GSP in terms of age is GSP hasn't taken as much damage in terms of um, fight time, wars. George has always fought very t technical to stay out of danger. So I feel like he wouldn't have as many issues in terms of growing old. You know, DC and UL both got in the sport young, so they were able to, or they both got in the sport older in their 30s, were able to stay to the 40s. Guys who get in the sport in their 20s usually aren't able to get to the 40s. It's just, it's more of a, I want to say fight clock than a age clock we're fighting, right? Diego Sanchez, they had a stat where he was the third most octagon time, right? And look at how well he's aging. Right, not very well. So I think there's a correlation there that is pretty significant. So I think George would be able to fight into his early 40s. But at this point, if George doesn't come back to fight Khabib, who does he come back to fight? Does he come back to fight Usman? Does he come back to fight Izzy at 185? Does he come back to fight Connor or, Dust or, Connor or Tony at 155? I think Khabib is the big fight. You know, when we talk about who we want to see GSP fight, if we could see him fight any of those guys, because he's obviously had the he's had the belt at welterweight and at middleweight, so becoming a three division champ is obviously a real big deal right now. Everyone else is two division. I think GSP he would want to prove to himself that he could be the best at lightweight against the best lightweight of all time in Khabib. So at this point, um, you have to do it now because say you come in and beat Connor or Tony for the one fifty five belt. It, um, it's not as legit. I don't want to say legit. Legit's a bad word, but it's not going to be looked as highly upon. It's going to be like when DC was the 205 champion because the best guy was gone, right? With that being said, I think this fight is also the best time to make this fight because if Khabib truly retires at third, I think GSP could, should be Khabib's walk away fight, right? So, um, say Khabib fights if he truly stops at 30 and 0, so that's. Gaethje, assuming he beats Gaethje, and that's a big assumption, Gaethje's a killer. Assuming he beats Gaethje, then that leaves GSP. And I think for the UFC, it would make most sense for them, for um, GSP to beat Khabib's walkaway fight, because Khabib wins, he has the belt, he retires, belt's vacant. GSP wins, he has the belt, retires, belt is vacant. I don't see a situation where GSP stays in defense. So for the UFC, that would be ideal where if we're going to make the belt vacant, I know that's never an ideal situation having a vacant belt, especially at the hardest and one of the most marketable weight divisions out there. So being in a situation where either way it's vacant, you know, do you want Khabib beating Tony or 
um, McGregor and then leaving the belt open and vacant, not ideal, right? But if he beats GSP, you know, that leaves vacancy all the way across, and then you could have a fight versus Tony and Connor for the belt afterwards. That'd be great. But with that being said, I think if Khabib truly retires at 30 and 0, you make this GSP fight now, and we walk away. And then if you give the winner of Connor and Dustin, they could fight Tony. You know, that's a ways down the road, so I, I shouldn't even really throw out names because there's so many other things that could happen between now and then. Hooker could go on a run. Michael Chandler could go on a run. Charles Oliveira could go on a run. Um, Kevin Lee could come back and go on a run. I know people love the clown Kevin Lee, but he's a talented fighter who could go on a run at lightweight. Paul Felder's still in here. I think he's going to retire. Islam Makhlchev, um, he's fighting. He's scheduled to fight at 253, and he's looking for an opponent. So depending on how high-ranked of an opponent he can get, he can get a real shot up at that in those lightweight rankings. So I don't want to speculate too much of now we're talking a year and a half, a year, a year and a half, two years down the line of who's going to be the champion. So let's not do that. But um, that would be an ideal situation is if – GSP is going to come back. You always have to worry about him vacating, right? But if if Khabib's going to retire anyways, you got to worry about both of them vacating. Might as well throw them together, have a vacant belt, then have the next two guys who come in to retake that belt, no matter who the names are, it's probably going to be a high-profile fight, right? So with that being said, I hope and pray that Khabib doesn't retire at 30-0 and because I still want to see him. I'd like to see him fight... Um, Right now he's at 28, so I'd like to see him fight Gaethje. And then in no or well, in an order, Gaethje's first, obviously, based off they're booked right now to fight in three weeks. Last guy, GSP. Then in between those, any order, I want to see Connor and Tony. Right? And I don't want them to just give him Connor and Tony. I want Connor and Tony to earn that title shot. So by Connor beating Dustin, that would earn him a title shot. Tony could literally be anyone right now, and you could make a case for him having the title shot. Because you go on a 12-fight run, lose to Gaethje, and then win one more. Now you're 13-1, right? That's that's good enough for a title shot, in my opinion, over the last, I don't remember how many years that has spanned. It has spanned seven, I think, off the top of my head. It would probably be eight by then. So there, there's real situations where if he could stay and do four more and get to um, 32, if he could get to 32, that would be great for Khabib um with that being said I don't know if he feels like he needs to do that but um those are four fights I want to see and those are four fights I think a lot of people want to see and we're getting one for sure that leaves three and I've preached this this isn't the first time this is the fourth episode this isn't the first time I've talked about Khabib walking away and fighting those three guys after Gaethje if he takes out all three of those guys he's the greatest of all time and deservedly so he definitely hops John Jones in terms of greatness, and he probably hop hop GSP. GSP, you'd have more of a debate between GSP and Khabib. GSP fans would say um, GSP was old and they wouldn't beat him in his prime, you know. So that would obviously be something that we'd talk about for a long time. But he'd be ahead of John Jones for sure. Some people already think Khabib is. Um, John Jones obviously has a chance to make a run to be the greatest of all time. But I think if uh, Khabib beats GSP, he obviously has a good chance. He'd be the top three would then become John, GSP, Khabib. Right now, we're looking at John, GSP. So Khabib could truly get his name in there in a great fashion. 
Um, moving on, let's talk about, we were just talking about John Jones, so we'll keep riding the John Jones train. John Jones and Izzy have been beefing on Twitter, straight beefing, right? And I'd love to break down the things they've said, but there's so many things that these two dudes have been saying about each other that um, is really, it's kind of hard to keep up with, right? I'll break it down as quick as I can. And basically, John says something or Izzy says something. And then Izzy will respond and say, hey, you did steroids or hey, you did coke. And then um, John will respond and say, hey, you got knocked out. And then Izzy will be like, hey, you got arrested. Then John will be like, hey, fight me. You're scared to fight me. And then Izzy will be like, oh, you know, you got in a hit and run with a pregnant woman. That's basically the way this goes. They're pretty much just airing dirty laundry. And you see the picture Izzy knocked out 100 times. And you see 30 John Jones mugshots and four videos of him getting arrested, right? And, um... I don't really think there's a clear, clear winner in these. Nobody won these Twitter exchanges. Um, but I think what it did do is make more people say, I want to see that fight. In the last week, my interest personally in that fight has skyrocketed. That's just me speaking from a personal note. And um, in last week's episode, I talked about this in terms of this is not a fight we need, but now I'm starting to get closer to a fight we need, right? And if, if Izzy wants to fight before the end of the year, this is another guy who could fill in one of these two pay-per-view slots and be a star. Uh, you know, um, and go out with two real bangs in the last two months. So if Izzy said he wants to fight again in 2020, John Jones is obviously, I'm assuming, ready to fight. And if these two guys fight, it has to be booked right now. And the reason is John is going to go up to heavyweight. John goes up to heavyweight. He can't get back to 205. Izzy couldn't go from 185 to heavyweight in his current frame. Izzy would have to put on a large chunk of weight to be able to for the commission to allow him to fight at one at heavyweight. I'm not saying Izzy wouldn't fight at heavyweight. I'm saying the commission won't let him. They wouldn't let they wouldn't sanction that bout. So if we see this fight, we have to see it now. And um with that being said, you should book the fight. If Izzy wants to fight before the end of twenty twenty. Izzy wants to fight before twenty twenty ends and um Hermanson or excuse me, not Hermanson until in December, I believe. Whitaker and Cannoneers in November. So with both of those fights in November and December, I don't see unless one of Whitaker or Cannoneer goes out there and starches the other one very quickly. I don't see a, a, a situation where they're ready to fight in December. If they go out there and have a, if they fight to a decision, have a war. I mean, even with the weight cut alone, even if they go out there and one of them gets a 10-second knockout, even with that weight cut alone, it'd be hard to turn around and fight in December. So if Izzy truly wants to fight before the end of the year, it's going to have to be against Jan or John. And I think it'd be a little silly to put it against Jan right now if you want to do a superstar title fight, Izzy moving up to go for two belts. Let's build Jan at 205 or any 205-pound champion. Let Jan get some uh, defense or two defenses or three defenses before we attempt that to make it a bigger fight. That's a fight that we always have in our back pocket, Izzy versus a 205 champ, as long as Izzy... There's always going to be a 205 champ, um, and as long as Izzy still has that belt. But this John Jones-Izzy fight is not always going to be there. And so um, Izzy has fought three... This is his third time defending. He's gone Whitaker... Romero, and now um, Costa. So um, it's getting to the time where usually 
after three or four, that's when we start seeing super fights. You know, we, we're getting into super fight range. So I think John Jones, um, and I think the sooner we offer this fight, the more likely John Jones is to accept it. Because if John Jones starts bulking to get to heavyweight, starts putting on muscle, he won't be able to make 205. And so that's just, is going to get to the point where he's going to not be able to do it. So the sooner we make this fight, the better, right? So let's talk about Leanne Edwards. Leanne Edwards has been craving for a fight. He's called out everybody. I think he's called out the whole top five. He called out Gilbert Burns and said, hey, Gilbert, let's, let's, or Ariel said this. Ariel said, hey, Gilbert, um, go fight Leon to prove you're the number one contender. Gilbert said, I'm already the number one contender, not fighting Leon. Leon has obviously had his in and, in and outs with Colby and Masvidal both, but it looks like Colby and Masvidal are going to fight. That leaves Edwards not booked. Who does that else leave not booked? Leon Edwards. Or excuse me, that leaves Leon Edwards not booked, and that also leaves Wonder Boy not booked. Excuse me on the misspeak. So the UFC says, well, let's get these two guys matched up. We'll match these two guys up. Perfect. And Leon says, no. I want to get a guy ranked higher. Leon, you're third. Wonder Boy's fifth. And you, so Leon declines Wonder Boy. And he, it's, this isn't like one of those rumors. You know, there's rumors all the time. Oh, he's ducking me. Oh, he won't fight me. Oh, so-and-so declined to fight me. He's scared. This is Leon publicly said, I don't want that fight. He publicly declined the fight, right? Now, if you go out there, and this is the thing. If you go, you haven't fought in um, over a year. Are we getting close to two years now? At this point, um, go out there and fight somebody. Somebody. So when you get offered, when you get off, you can't get the, it's, there's not as much, um, there's not as much fan draw to Leon fighting Colby or Masvidal or Burns or Camaro. He has probably the least, him and Gilbert are the, have probably the least fan draw out of that group of names. And if you want to throw in Wonderboy, he's got the least, if you go down the whole um, top top nine, top nine, Leon is close to the lowest fan draw, right? Damian Maya probably has a little more fan draw than Leon Edwards, if we're being honest, for casuals. He's got a bigger name, Tyron Woodley, bigger name. Uh, Leon Edwards has been hotter recently. But if you look at the top five, I mean, he's got the lowest name value in the top five. Him and Gilbert Burns are uh, pretty close in terms of name drawing and pay-per-view numbers and things of that nature. But with that being said, Gilbert has knocked out Damian Maya, and he destroyed T-Wood within the last year. Put on two great performances in both those fights when Leon has been sitting on the sidelines. So that elevates Gilbert to the spot where he can fight for the title. If Leon would have, and it's, it's bad, it's, I feel bad for Leon because he had that fight against T-Wood lined up, and he could have, if he would have done to T-Wood what Gilbert Burns did, then he'd be fighting for the title right now. But unfortunately, that's not the case for Leon. But you can't sit here and try and get the same, just, you didn't fight that fight, so you can't try and get, get the result as if you would have won. He's acting like you won that fight. He's trying to move up in the rankings, right? Fight Wonder Boy. I mean, I mean, Wonder Boy's in a situation where he's starting to knock. You know, I feel like a lot of people look at the title picture and the names that they immediately mention are Covington, Burns, Edwards, Masvidal. 
Those are the names when you're talking title picture. And Kamara, obviously, because he's a champ. He's bringing the belt. He's he's obviously always in the title picture. And then and Wonder Boy's starting to knock on the door like, hey, hey, don't forget about me. I'm still here. I'm still one of the best striker, the top elite striker in the UFC. So just cut cut him off. Just if you're Leon Edwards, just say, hey, you know, you you don't belong in this group. You know, beat him. Close the door behind him. That's one less guy you got to worry about taking your shot for a title. So if you're Leon Edwards, but right now if you don't take Wonder Boy, who you're gonna take? If Burns and Kamara go get matched up. Covington and uh, Masvidal get matched up. That's a fight most fans want. And then that leaves, and you decline Stephen Thompson. Are you trying to fight Damian Maya? Because you said, I don't want Wonderboy because he's fifth. So oh, you're not going to want anyone below fifth, obviously. You want top four. But the top four is going to be all matched up here. When they get this Burns-Usman, that's pretty much official. They're just looking to get the right date on it. And then Covington and Masvidal, I guess he's hoping that one of those guys pull out or um, don't want to make that fight. I I guess that's what he's hedging his bet on. But if you're going to hedge your bet on that, don't openly decline the Wonder Boy fight because it, you could you could you could take that angle where you you bet your money that that fight doesn't get booked and you step in and fight either of them and you're closer to a title than if you would have fought Wonder Boy. I'll give him that. But with that being said, you still shouldn't decline Wonder Boy. Because you the and he told Wonder Boy, I'm gonna I'm not gonna say what he said, not because I'm afraid to say it, but because, you know, some cheddar would be nice on from the podcast. Um, he told Wonder Boy to F off. Now, when you tell Wonder Boy to F off, you don't get support from the fans on that one. The fans didn't support him on that one, and now we're here. Now I'm here trashing on Leon Edwards. So, Leon needs Leon Edwards needs to sit down, pull out his phone, and call Chael. Call Chael Sonnen and say, Chael, I'm in between a rock and a hard place here. What do I do? Because Chael's the, one of the top... I want to say the Chael's probably the master in PR. And if he's not the master in PR, he's top five. But Chael is the guy you could go to to get advice. Because Connor, you know, may be the master in PR. We don't need to get into that debate. Who sells more, Connor? Was it Chael? Is it Connor? Is it Diaz? Is it... Right. But if you call Chael, Chael gives advice to fighters. And that means um, the other guys don't. That's why I'm saying call Chael. Call Chael and say, Chael. I'm in between a rock and a hard place. What do you think I should do? And talk to Chael about this type of thing. Um, if you're Wonder Boy, that's what he needs to do. Get on the phone and call Chael and say, how do I recover from this? Because I'm <laughs> I'm in a rough spot. I need to get a fight with one of these top four guys. How do I do it? And because what he's doing now, I don't know if he's doing this by himself, if he's making these call-outs by himself, if he's making these tweets by himself, if he's got someone helping him. If he doesn't have someone helping him, he needs someone helping him. If he if he has someone helping him, he needs to fire that person, right? And I feel bad because he's a great fighter, but that's just the fact of the matter, okay? And speaking about Wonder Boy, Wonder Boy declined the Hazmat Chimaev fight. 
Hazmat Chimaev is struggling to find a fight. It looked like he was going to fight Maya. That fight fell through, obviously. Then it looked like he was going to fight Wonderboy. Wonderboy declined that according to Hamza himself. Um, Hazma also said, also said Weidman declined. So, um, and then um, Weidman was the fight I, I wanted at 185. Um, we'll talk about a couple weeks ago, I talked about Hazma, and I said I wanted to see him at welterweight against Kiesa or middleweight against Weidman. So Weidman declines. I feel like that's a bad move for Weidman. I don't think he's going to get that title shot. For some reason, there's legs around that, but I don't see a situation where he gets that Izzy title fight in 2020. I just don't see it happening. I he's he's He wants it, but you have to get a fight booked, Weidman. If Weidman were to beat Hazmat, he'd jump the line of contenders because he's Chris Weidman. He's got name value. And he you could sell the case that, oh, Weidman beat Silva. Silva's... Israel looked up to Silva, matched his game. I don't want to say matched his game, but Silva was an inspiration to Izzy. And I think from Izzy, Izzy would probably have some, would want to fight that fight because he said, hey, Silva was my idol, so he fought his idol. Wouldn't you want to fight the guy, wouldn't wouldn't you want to fight the guy that took your idol out? With that being said, you're ranked ninth. You're not going to get that fight right now. It's just not going to happen. If you beat Hazmat, the fans are going to say, oh, wait. If he if if Chris Weidman were to beat Hazmat Chimaev, the fans would say, no, Chris Weidman's not done. People were calling Chris Weidman done and washed, saying, fight Rockhold, loser retires. That's what people were saying. But if you're Hazmat, or if you're Weidman, if you beat Hazmat, people are going to be saying, we were wrong. And people are going to want to see you fight for the title. I would bet a bag on that, okay? I'd bet a bag on that. And then um, the other fight I said was Kiesa. I don't know if Kiesa was offered this fight, but he did speak on this. He pretty much said he wouldn't accept the fight. I don't know if he formally declined that fight, but um, at um, Kiesa, for Kiesa, and Kiesa said it's Kiesa gave an explanation. He didn't just decline. Kiesa said, "Hey man, this is a lose lose for me. If I lose to Hazmat, I fall in the rankings." And um, obviously, a, lo- a loss is a loss. It has the effect of a loss. If he wins, then he has to deal with people um, saying that Hazmat was not as good as people say he was. Which, with that being said, I don't think that's true necessarily. Because look at what Derek Brunson did to um, Edmund Shabazian. Shabazian. People were calling... Derek Brunson, a gatekeeper, and then he beats Edmund, and now Derek Brunson's trying to get himself a fight with Paulo Costa and Darren Till right now. So, um, with that being said, I feel like um, Guess is a little off on that, but he gave reasoning and solid reasoning, and and uh, he's probably not gonna he's not gonna take that fight, and I respect him for the way he went about declining that fight. So, respect to Michael Chiesa for that. Even though I did want to see that fight, that would have been a fun fight. Now, let's talk about guys who said they would fight Hazmat Chimaev. Um, those names being two that I know were the first being Neil Magny and the second being Charles Oliveira. I, I, Charles Oliveira is probably in a similar situation to Hazmat in a way of not being able to find a fight. Um, 
with that being said, I don't really want to see that fight. I don't want to see a 155-pounder go up and fight. Um, this just... It just doesn't really make sense because you have a 170 and a 180. You know, he's kind of back and forth, up and down, um, wants to do both. And then you have a 155-pounder. Just let Oliveira, Oliveira stay at 155 and make the run at 55 and try and get some of these big-name guys at 55. Um, Neil Magny, though, um, I think that's a good fight. Um, Neil Magny is 10th right now. That's a good invitation. There, that's a good introduction to the rankings. Uh, number ten, especially with the guys you have in that division. You have Magni at ten, Luke tied at ten, um, Geoff Neal at twelve. But then after that, you have Diaz, Pettis, Lawler. Right? No one wants to see Nate Diaz versus Hamzat. No one wants to see Pettis versus Hamzat. No one wants to see Lawler. Lawler's booked against Perry. And then in um, middleweight. You have Vittori and Akhmedov are booked, so that leaves Ian Hines, Brad Tavares. So I think um, Neil Magny is, if he says, I want that fight, I think, I don't think you're going to get much higher than 10 on either side. Um, Dos Anjos, Rafael Dos Anjos Dos just pulled out of the fight with Islam. Um, I'm assuming, I believe, because of injury, so he's not going to fight Mag, or he's not going to fight Hamzat, Calvin Gaspalum possibly is a name but um I don't know what the plans with Kelvin are he doesn't he hasn't been fighting that often he took he's been he's hasn't fought since oh he fought Hermanson so um yeah I don't know what you want to do with Kelvin Gastelum he's in a rough spot let's uh let's if if Gastelum were smart he'd wait until Gastelum would say no if he was smart and wait and take on the loser of Hermanson Till or try and get Costa or try and get the loser of Cannoneer Whitaker because he's coming off a loss. So um, those types of deals would probably be what would be best for Kevin Gastelum. And then 10 in middleweight is Uriah Hall. Uriah Hall is booked um, against Silva. So right now I don't think you're going to get anything higher for 10 in the middleweight or um, welterweight division for Hamzat. So take that Neil Magny fight. I don't think you're going to get much better than that. And um, if he beats Neil Magny, then he can, he'll be ranked inside the top 10, and then he can take on Kiesa, Weidman, um, Woodley, Maya, whoever. But uh, or Maya will probably be retired at that point. Um, he's got one more fight in him. Uh, we're trying to figure out who that should be, whoever it is. Um, maybe Luque. Um, to Brazil, to Brazilians. I know my express interest in doing um, Diego Sanchez in Brazil. I believe it was. I know he wanted to retire in Brazil against a Brazilian. Um, right now, I don't think the UFC is going to Brazil anytime soon. So if he wants to retire soon, then you got to deal with it at Fight Island. If he wants to wait to retire in Brazil, that's fine. But who who knows when that'll be? So, um, little little bit of questions around Damian Maia. Um. But yeah, if if Hamzat wins, then he can start taking Kiesa, Dos Anjos, Woodley, um, potentially probably not Woodley with the state of what Woodley's been doing. Maybe Wonder Boy then. Um, that those rankings will be shifted all around by the time that uh, Hamzat gets there. Okay, um, Nate versus Dan Hooker, which is something that has been popping off lately. And I'm checking right now to make sure 
that nothing else has come out recently because I started this podcast 40 minutes ago. And at that point, um, right before I started, um, legit a minute before I started this, um, the minute before I started this, Dan Hooker tweeted and said, Nate, do you want 155 or 170? Um, that wasn't, that's not verbatim, that's not a verbatim quote, but that is a summary. Dan Hooker said, Nate, do you want 155 or 170? So um, it looks like this fight has potential to happen. Um, we were looking at Nate versus um, Masvidal, but it looks like that is passed because we're going to do, it looks like Covington, Covington versus Masvidal is really coming in. And if Nate is trying to get a fight aligned with Dan Hooker, then I really doubt that. Um, I really doubt that uh, he, if he's trying to get a fight aligned with Dan Hooker, I doubt, doubt he's going to get that Masvidal fight right now because um, Masvidal is obviously the way bigger fight. If he had an equal opportunity to get both, he would go for the Masvidal fight based solely off money, respect, everything Nate, Dan's, Nate Diaz stands for would give the edge to Masvidal. But with that being said, Masvidal is probably going to fight um, Colby. Now, before we get too far, I feel bad for Nate Diaz because Nate Diaz has two big, 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 big money fights out there, but he can't seem to get either of them. The Conor McGregor trilogy, the Jorge Masvidal rematch. Those are two incredible pay-per-views that sell a lot, but it doesn't seem like he's going to get either of those right now. And it looked at points this year, we were going to get at least one of them. At least one of them we were going to get. But right now we're not getting either of them. And can I just say, I don't want, right, I do not want, um, or I do not believe that Nate Diaz is washed just because he lost to um, Jorge Masvidal. Jorge Masvidal is, we all know Masvidal is a killer. Masvidal hit him with a big shot early on, and that kind of, you know, Nate, obviously, I don't want to make excuses, but he hit him with a big shot early on. Nate's known for cardio coming on later and submissions in terms of fighting. Nate's known for a lot more than that, but in terms of in the fight, he didn't get to fight in rounds four and five. He weathered through the storm and didn't wasn't able to get to four and five. He claimed Masvidal was getting tired. Whether you believe that or not, that's your choice to believe, but that was his claim. Um, Masvidal wasn't engaging in the ground game to give um, Nate a chance to, you know, um, look for a submission. And Nate is severely, I don't want to say severely undersized at 170, but Masvidal was the way bigger guy out of those two, without a doubt. So um, Masvidal at 155 versus Dan Hooker would be a lot of fun. And from Nate Diaz's um, point of view, he, he calls out, when he calls people out, he calls them out in, Diaz fashion so that's one of two things that's how we call that Jorge Masvidal with the respect Nate Diaz says I respect Anthony Pettis I respect Jorge Masvidal I want to fight those guys but when he called out Connor he did it in a different way but recently we've seen the first of those two options and that's how he called out Dan Hooker now if you're Dan Hooker you say oh yeah give me Nate Diaz I'll take Nate Diaz you Nate you beat Nate Diaz you're a way bigger name in the UFC 
You fight Nate Diaz, win or loss, you get a bigger paycheck. And Dan Hooker doesn't shy away from challenges. Right? So, um, with that being said, I hope this fight happens. Because if Nate Diaz can beat Dan Hooker, he'll be assumed probably a top five light or a lightweight if he beats him at 155. If he goes down to 155, takes him out, then you're looking at Nate Diaz is now in the title picture if he beats Tony Ferguson. Or if he beats Dan Hooker, excuse me. Now we can start seeing Nate Diaz with some of these other guys in this lightweight division to make it even better, right? Tell me you don't want to see Gaethje versus Diaz. Tell me you don't want to see Poirier versus Diaz. Tell me you don't want to see Ferguson versus Diaz. Tell me you don't want to see Conor versus Diaz, okay? A lot of people will claim washed, but if he can go out there against, he went out there and beat the hell out of Pettis and proved he wasn't washed. And he lost to Masvidal, and people are saying he's washed. If you go out there and beat Dan Hooker, there's no doubt you're not washed, right? He can go out there and prove that he's not washed up, that he's not in the same um, light as Cowboy and Robbie Lawler and some of these other guys who are aging. If he can go out there and and beat Dan Hooker, he proves that he deserves to be at the top of these divisions again. And if he can do that, then he can get himself the Masvidal rematch. He can get himself the Conor rematch, right? It's easier to sell yourself off a win than a loss, right? If Nate Diaz was coming off a win, he'd be have a lot better chance to get that Masvidal rematch, right? That's just what it is. Now, I talked earlier. Say you get, well, say you get Diaz. Say he beats Hooker. And you say, wow, Nate Diaz is now top five. I'd love to see him fight any of those guys in the top five, Gaethje, Poirier, Ferguson, say, I'd really love that fight. So say he takes that fight. Say he wins that one. Now we're looking at, oh, wait a second. Nate Diaz could get a title here. Nate Diaz could put together a title run if he gets Dan Hooker out of there. And from a stylistic matchup, if Khabib keeps fighting past 30-0, and 0, that would be an interesting fight. If you if we were to break down a Khabib and Nate fight right now, Khabib would um and these two guys have past past beef right right, um, Nate Diaz said he slapped Khabib at a at a fight right. Do you think Khabib wouldn't want to go in there and take his head off? Right, this is a potential fight that I could see both guys having interest in. So, Nate doesn't like Khabib. Khabib doesn't like Nate. In terms of pay-per-view numbers, imagine if that fight happens, right? That's that's That'd be a, probably a top five pay-per-view of all time. They say, the casual fans. Casual fans are what drive pay-per-views. Um, no doubt about that. And you would see casual fans would say, oh, this is the guy that beat Connor? Oh, this is the other guy that beat Connor? Oh, God, let me see that fight. And from a stylistic matchup, and I'm talking dreams right now, right? I'm talking dreams right now. From a stylistic matchup, Nate Diaz um, is one of the best fighters off his back. That's why everyone wants to see Tony versus Khabib because Tony is one of the best fighters off his back. Well, so is Nate Diaz. Nate Diaz doesn't have the elbows off his back, but he's got the submissions off his back. All right? Imagine the scenes if Nate Diaz does a triangle choke 
and throws double birds on Khabib, right? It's just this fight is too um this fight is is a fight and in terms of in terms of cardio, right? In terms of pure cardio and um determination, Nate's in a position where this is like he's got the um people people like Gaethje in this matchup with Khabib because Gaethje gets tired, but he keeps coming at you, right? And he doesn't care if he's tired. He'll, he gives it his 100% effort. Well, that's what Nate Diaz does, but Nate Diaz doesn't get tired as quick or as um, doesn't get as tired as Gaethje. So, and from a striking, Nate Diaz is long at 155. Nate Diaz, if he uses that reach well, he could stay on the outside and pick Khabib apart. So, um... If he comes in there with an intelligent game plan, I'd love to see that fight, right? And I know a lot of people are going to be calling me crazy, but if Nate Diaz gets booked with Hooker, okay, he could make a run here. And you tell me you don't want either, you want both the Diaz brothers to retire without a UFC belt? Come on. Come on. Come on. I'd love to see that if, if Nate Diaz goes out there and takes out takes out Dan Hooker, and then fucking, oops, well, I was going to try and put Nat on this video, but not anymore, but Nate Diaz versus Hooker, and then you get Nate Diaz versus, versus Tony Ferguson after that, come on, come on, these are, these are pure dream and fun matchups, right, that's all I'm talking is dreams and fun right here, really, but we're talking dreams that if you get this Diaz-Hooker fight, booked and Nate can win and prove he's um not watched like some people are saying these dreams are m moving towards reality okay so um that's that's you know that and imagine if Nate Diaz wants to fight by the end of this year against Dan Hooker imagine imagine if the UFC wanted to end their they like to end their year in a bang. We've already said that. Imagine Conor McGregor headlining a pay-per-view against Dustin Poirier. And then in the co-main, you have Nate Diaz versus Dan Hooker. Maybe not even in the co-main because you still have Amanda. And the title bout, or the title bout would come first. So you would have Conor Poirier, Amanda Spencer, Diaz Hooker. You're gonna try and you're gonna sell the pay per view with Nate Diaz and Conor McGregor on it. I don't know if the UFC wants to do that, but if that's something they were willing to do, that'd be crazy craziness, and that'd be something I'd love to see. Simple as that. We're gonna leave it at that. That whole Nate Diaz stuff. That was uh, me being optimistic because I am a Nate Diaz fan. Okay, I am an Nate Diaz fan. Another fighter I'm a fan of, Tony Ferguson. Tony Ferguson went on Ariel Hawani's show talking about his return. And um, I'm, the, I'm, ooh, stutter, stutter, stutter. Um, the main thing I want to talk about in this is future matchups. I don't really want to um, talk too much about some of the other things he talked about. He talked about a lot. It was a 30, 40, 30 to 40 minute interview. Go watch that. Very interesting. Sounded like Tony had a couple energy drinks and went on a rant. With that being said, um, that is, um, we're going to talk about what we want next from Tony. 
Michael Chandler still wants that fight with Tony. Um, right now we have Tony is um, we get Connor and Poirier matched up. So we're looking at Tony versus Charles Oliveira, Paul Felder, Michael Chandler. Those would be the names if um, those would be the names if he were to fight right now because we already have some bookings. So Tony Ferguson versus Michael Chandler. I think that might be a little deep for Michael Chandler. I think Charles Oliveira versus Tony Ferguson's a fun, 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 fun fight, right? Charles Oliveira is the is the man in the division that is he's probably the most underrated fighter in that division. Watching what he did against uh, Kevin Lee, amazing. Um, Paul Felder would be a really fun fight for Tony Ferguson stylistically, but um, he said he wants to compete compete in 2020. So if he wants to compete in 2020, he's probably going to have to take Michael Chandler at this point. Um, like I said, I think that's throwing Chandler a little bit in the deep end, but I think that's just what it's going to be. Um, I don't think there's another way around that. And um, you are throwing Chandler in the deep end, but with that being said, give him give him the chance to prove. That gives Michael Chandler the chance to prove that he is UFC title worthy, and that gives Tony Ferguson the chance to um, work his way closer to a title. So I am fine with that fight, but don't forget about Charles Oliveira and Paul Felder are both out there who would be fun fights for Tony. But I don't think that Tony would want, from the from the tone of that interview, I don't think he would want to fight someone that low in the rankings. And um, Chandler isn't ranked yet, but you could make the case that if he were to be ranked today, he would be ranked inside the top five, top six. So, um, now we're going to close this show off with some fun. Darren Till talked about cornering Mike Perry. Mike Perry said, hey, I'm trying to make a couple bucks. Whoever gives me the most money can be in my corner. Darren Till said, oh, well, I've got five grand sitting here that you can have. And then this went far enough to where Perry's agent addressed it and said that it was looking like it could happen. Now, if you don't know about Mike Perry and Darren Till's relationship, they go back and forth on social media all the time. Darren Till has made Instagram accounts called Mike Perry's a bum. He said he's going to rock dog his girls. Darren Till started a whole merch outline revolving around raw dog. And that's referring to raw dogging Mike Perry's girlfriend. And now you're telling me Darren Till's going to corner his fight? And the first thing Till does when he's when it's getting close to being him that would corner Mike Perry, he says, hey, how much would someone pay me to throw in the towel? That's why people love Darren Till, right? Um, it's looking like this isn't going to happen, though, because Terry did, Perry did not was not too fond of the fact that Till said that. And if you don't follow Darren Till on social media, go follow him, Instagram, Twitter. Darren interacts with the fans, and he is one of the most entertaining guys on social media. No reason not to follow Darren Till if you're a UFC fan, MMA fan. Um, so, yeah, there's a whole string of tweets of Darren Till making jokes, clowning Mike Perry. Go find those. Go look at them. Okay. And um, Darren Till was talking about his recent fights. He's scheduled to fight Hermanson, and he said, hey, I'm going to call out some guys. Who did you call out? 
starts it off. He starts it off with um, Hazmat. Or, yeah, he starts off with Hazmat. He says, hey, no one wants to fight him. I'll give him a chance after I go take care of Hermanson. And then I'll fight Izzy. He put out a graphic with three. It was Hermanson, Hazmat, Izzy. So Darren Till is lining himself up for that title shot. Now, if Darren Till goes out there and beats Hermanson, beats Hazmat, and he'll, he'll, he'll deserve Adesanya. But then on top of that, um, Derek Brunson came out and, and uh, wanted that fight as well with Till, calling out Till. And Till responded by saying that he wouldn't fight the Bumpson, calling Derek Brunson a bum, which, not really true, but funny, funny at the least. And you can always depend on funny with Darren Till. He did say he'd take that fight. And uh, he also called out UOL. All right. So Darren Till is setting himself up for big fights. And I love what Darren Till is doing on social media. He's interacting with all these guys, trying to line up another fight for himself no matter what happens. You know what I mean? Saying, so for example, Darren Till, say he uh, loses to Hermanson. Right. He's calling out UOL Romero. If he loses, he's calling out UL because they're both coming off losses, and he could probably get that UL fight. That's why he called out UL. But then he sets himself up for a win. He says, hey, if I beat Hermanson, I'll take on Hazmat, and I beat Hazmat, and I take on um, Adesanya. So when you look at what Darren Till does and who he calls out, he does it for a reason and has a purpose behind it. So that's one of the reasons I love Darren Till and that he needs to get that title shot against Izzy eventually. That would be a great pay-per-view. People love Darren Till. People love Izzy. That would be... They, they would play that clip of uh, Darren Till in his car taking the Instagram video. Israel Adesanya, I'm coming for you. Um, so Darren Till doing great work on social media, setting, him up for, setting himself up for future fights. So, so much respect for him on that. And... Those are all the things that I wanted to speak about today on the on the Head Kick KO podcast. Thank you very much for tuning in and go follow on the other social medias. We're on Spotify, we're on YouTube, we're on some other podcast services, and we also have Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Go follow on those. I'm looking to start posting more on TikTok. Um on TikTok I might do some short videos. Q&A's, um, I, that's something I'm really interested in, and I'm looking into more on how we could make that work, talking about things that I see um, kind of almost being a news outlet in terms of not really news news, but like what's going on on social media, on the social media aspect of MMA, because sometimes it can be hard to keep keep up when you've got John Jones doing this thing, and Darren Till going on rants, and Nate Diaz putting out cryptic tweets. So I kind of want to, you know, talk about some of those things are things I'd be really interested in and talking about on TikTok because if we break down all those little things on podcasts, we're going to be doing three hours repeatedly. So, like I said, thank you very much for watching the Head Kick KO podcast and please join us next week.